Welcome to Bike Talk with Dave, where we talk to incredible people doing incredible things. I love talking bikes, and I am thankful that you tune in to listen. If you enjoy these conversations, I would welcome you to rate and review on your favorite pod service. And please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. And if you really dig it and want to support the show, please consider throwing a few bucks our way at buymeacoffee.com. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to give a plug to the Iowa Mountain Bike Championship Series. The BikeIowa.com racing team has been handed the reins of the series this year, and they've lined up a solid series for 2022 with plans for a bigger future. The trails in Iowa are generally fast and flowy. Imagine narrow single tracks snaking through the woods, up and down through the ravines and through river valleys. The seven race Iowa Mountain Bike Championship Series, or IMBCS, highlights some of the best trails in the state, and there are some really fun places to ride that make a visit worthwhile. Come race the IMBCS for an introduction to some of Iowa's great trails. You can find the schedule and all the information at bikeiowa.com backslash IMBCS. And now on to an extra special show. I know this podcast is called Bike Talk with Dave, but I really just wanted it to be Bike Talk, but that was taken, so I added the with Dave part. I've always wanted to be open to having guest hosts, and today is one of those days. A good friend of mine, Lisa Carpinelli, is a real pro, a one-time anchor of a local news station, and now a professor of journalism at Simpson College in South Central Iowa. She is also co-founder, along with Kim Hopkins, of a women's cycling clothing company, Velarosa, clothing designed by women for women. You actually hear reference to Velarosa during the conversation with our guest, Heather Paskovich, who wore the Velarosa gear on her ride this summer. And this is probably a good segue to talk about her since she is our guest. Heather Paskovich, in addition to working full-time as an ER doctor, she is a wife, a mother, and an ultra-distance cyclist. In the summer of 2021, she competed in the 930-mile race across the West from the shores of the Pacific Ocean through the desert southwest to Durango, Colorado. She was the top female finisher and was second overall after a back-and-forth battle in the waning miles of the race. Lisa sat down with Heather on a beautiful summer day to ask about the race. And being the curious sort that I am, I may have snuck in a few questions too. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Heather Paskovich with our guest host this week, Lisa Carpinelli. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> I can't even imagine what a race like that is like. And it's probably weird to think about it now that you've survived it and done it. I guess my first question would be, how would you say it went? Um, it went well. I mean, there certainly are some learning curves <laughs> that are uh, that come along with that kind of a race. Um, we had a goal. We actually had quite a set goal, and then the conditions were just much more challenging than anticipated. We knew it was going to be hot, but the temperatures, they actually had heat advisory in the desert for that time frame, and so 
the plan had to change, which is kind of ultra in and of itself. So it went well, but there were things I could have done better and I'll apply that to future races, but for the circumstances we had, it went well. So again, <laughs> reminding everyone that you won, like as, as the, as the, as the, in the women's division, you won and got second overall. Correct. Right. So was there, was there a goal to have a faster time? Was there, if you say you didn't hit it from our standpoint, it sure as heck looks like you hit it, but yeah, I actually, I fell off my metric by many hours okay. and that was just a matter of, you know, we started out, you know, kind of on target, feeling out the circumstances. It was a lot hotter. It required a lot more attention to staying cool. And in order to do that, you know, frequent stops, which kind of slowed things down and just, you know, in those, um, weather conditions, your power actually drops, your performance drops overall. So, you know, you can only push so hard to make it to, to the end of this race. You have to make a decision. You know, I wasn't going to meet the metric that I had set out. It was just a matter of kind of damage control and <laughs> do the best you can with what you've got left. So as you're doing this, especially in the hottest moments, I, as I understand it, you were maybe riding for 15 minutes and then having to cool down. I mean, how, how did you deal with that extreme with that extreme heat diet. And I would only assume that your medical background had to probably help you, or, or did it not? Did it almost, in a sense, did you have too much knowledge? Do you know what I mean? Um, no, we actually had, we knew what we were getting into. We were anticipating the desert was gonna be a challenge. Actually, that was one of the big reasons why I wanted to do this race is because I've not gotten to perform in this kind of environment before and I thought it would be fun and something different to try. Um, so we actually did, you know, Iowa wasn't that hot before we left. I think we had a couple 90 degree days. We did a heat uh, training protocol, which was, you know, actually working out and then sit in a warm bath for several days to kind of build up and challenge your body to understand, you know, coping with heat stress. Um, I had a core monitor, which actually does core body temperature monitoring. So I'd trained with that for several weeks prior to leaving. So we kind of had an idea of when I do intensity workouts, what does it look like when I'm on endurance rides? What does that look like? How long does it take my body to respond to cool off? You know, if we start seeing a trend that's not going in a favorable direction. And I mean, we didn't like spend a ton of time looking at that data, but it was just one more data point to look at as a guide. I don't know, my health background didn't really I don't know if it really factors in for this or not. I think any, it's, I would be hopeful that people that are coming into a race of this magnitude have already kind of, you know, dip their toe in uncomfortable circumstances and know how their body's gonna react to it. Certainly you're gonna find out that maybe it's different than what you thought. Like for me, it was my power dropped off like a freaking rock after five hours. And I was like, this is not what I expected, but what do I do? So, so do you mean when it dropped off <clears throat> after five hours, was it five hours after the start or was it, I mean, and then how did you, how did you get it back? How critical was sleep? How much sleep did you get? How, what was the quality of that? Um, I didn't get any power back. That was the problem. So, you know, you kind of want to go out with a controlled start, which was my plan. I want to continue to hold on to that controlled start for as long as I can. And it was just abundantly clear as soon as the temperatures started escalating, my power was dropping. I couldn't pedal hard enough to make up for that. You just get hotter and hotter and feel worse <laughs> and five hours into the race is when I already started appreciating that this is actually going to be a real real game changer for this race so so when you're in that moment I, this was the biggest question I had what are you saying to yourself how are you mentally keeping yourself <laughs> going because I think a lot of people regardless of the sport they did or whatever they are how do you keep yourself going knowing that there's this really incredible challenge that is going to take a considerable amount of time to complete. 
Um, I think it's always trying to look for the positives, like understanding you signed up for this. You knew there were gonna be challenges. You had a general idea of what said challenges were going to be, and if they're more than what you expected, well, that's kind of the name of the game. You need to be positive about what's what you're dealing with and how do you problem solve your way through that in a positive manner. I'm not gonna lie that maybe five hours in when I saw how things were trending, I was like, huh, why did I sign up for this? <laughs> so that lasted for a handful of seconds, which I think is an appropriate shock because you're just not performing to your own expectation and that's always a hard knock. But then it's like, well, you know, I, I came to learn from this experience and I wanna get to the finish line. So that, that mentality is not gonna work. Let's figure out how to get through our circumstances. Did you have any mantras? Did you have any songs in your head? I mean, I'm just trying to think of how on earth did you spend the time? I well, I mean, I, I know you were, there's hugging of trees. Like I know there was like, don't stop and hug I didn't any get trees. To hug a tree. They wouldn't let me. I also tried to sleep in a ditch. They wouldn't let me do that either. <laughs> so that's not my, a phrase you my thought gra that gravel roots. Like, no, I'll, that was actually an ongoing issue of like, all of a sudden I just was so tired and just stopped. And they're like, you can't do that. We're, we can't be in this spot. So it was like seconds of stopping, but it's, you know, my unsupported self, if I want to stop and take a picture, I stop and take a picture. Minus the car that's behind me and the criteria that we have to be five feet off the fog line. So get your butt moving again. <laughs> so it was, you know, some prodding of don't remind yourself to keep going. And I just, I, all the rules. Or has this <clears throat> always been in you? Like, I, cause again, we're talking about this ultra endurance type of, of endeavor? Is this always been a part of who you are? I mean, head down, barrel through, I, or is this a newfound thing mm -hmm. that you've discovered recently about yourself? I, I think probably it's a product of maybe my, my own intrinsic personality trait, you know, that I like to kind of push the envelope. I've always felt that way. I had challenges when I was younger that were, you know, not in sport. And so, you know, navigating my way through that was kind of similar. Like, you're faced with these unpleasant circumstances, you can choose to wallow in your misery or you can figure out how to be positive and work your way through it. Well, that translates into sport for me as well. So now it's like, I've chosen this. <laughs> you know, I can stop at any time, but that's not the goal. <laughs> so. Actually, I think it's a really great story about the fact that you haven't been cycling for a very long time. I mean, this isn't, this isn't your, you know, the ultimate moment for you 20 years of doing this sport no how did you come to the sport uh i started cycling for fitness uh, i actually was a lot heavier and back in 2015 i started biking for weight loss um, i lost 50 pounds total and then i started meeting people in the community and wanted to ride faster <laughs> and that was actually when i met you guys with Valerosa. Um, and then in 2017 i had wanted to do the triple bypass as a celebration of this new fitness and this new lifestyle. And then it got canceled. It's the one year in 29 years, they had a forest fire. So I still got to ride with people from our community here and it was great. But then Gravel Worlds was a handful of weeks later, like five or six weeks later. I'd never done anything like that before, but a lot of people from our community were going. And I was like, well, I'll just try this. <laughs> and I finished it and I was passing people that I felt should be far faster than me. So I don't know, that's kind of when that's when the nonsense started. <laughs> That's a great line. That's when the nonsense started. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that community, like the cycling community in Iowa. Again, you're not an, an Iowa native, but no. I think uh, neither am I. I would call myself a captive now, like I'm here. Yes. This is this is home now. Talk about the, the cycling community that you found here and what it's like to sort of 
ride bikes here in Iowa? Uh, it's wonderful. It's a huge selling point for this area. If you're a cyclist, everybody here is very welcoming. Um, there's lots of different levels of expertise and, you know, mountain biking and road biking and gravel cycling, whatever the heck you want to do, there, there's somebody here that does it. Um, they're just really, they promote you, they, they help you. I was afraid when I got on the road that I wasn't, I don't know, if there would be some animosity. I don't know why I would feel that way, but people were great, taught me all kinds of stuff. And, and a lot of your crew was from Iowa, right? If not all of it? Uh, yes, all of them. <laughs> yeah, and then, I mean, it just... My, I, that's a lie, actually. I take that back. I have to rattle down the list. There's too many of us. One was in California, one in Minnesota. Okay. But, but a majority from Iowa, and it, I, I don't know if you sensed it, but there were a lot of people back here at home that were really cheering you on and following along with every, you know, update that we could possibly get from in the field. What does it feel like to know that you've got a lot of people really rooting for you? Uh, it's... It's special. It's special and it's alarming at the same time because you know someone's watching. <laughs> but the other side of it is I actually didn't really know the magnitude. I mean, they, you know, my crew read off comments to me as, you know, kind of let's keep going. And that was really wonderful. But it actually was even more crazy when I came home because like, you know, the next two days, three days at the hospital, it was like an endless stream of people. Oh, we were watching your dad. We could hardly get any work done. It was just really neat to see the impact that it had on other people to to get excited about what we're doing. And so, I, you know, now that, so I asked you what the toughest part was and I'm getting the sense it was the heat in the desert, was the one that was, is that a fair, would yeah. you say it's the, it's the heat in the desert? that lack of sleep. Yeah, what, are, do you function, I mean, as an ER physician, I imagine you function a lot without a lot of sleep, like you work overnights, you, you know, you have to sort of deal with, with what you're dealing with. How was that lack of sleep? It would kill me, but I'm just, <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, I mean, that's one of my learning points as far as, you know, I have to revisit my actual sleep strategy if I'm going to stretch this out into longer events. Um, just because, you know, I did a 30 minute sleep, then 45 minutes and another 30 minutes, which in retrospect, maybe I should have made one of those like a 90 minute. Um, I mean, I felt, I feel like I'm pretty good at dealing with a lot of sleep deprivation, especially with variable shifts and then trying to train around all that. Um, this was worse. <laughs> it was a learning point, so. When you say worse, <clears throat> is there hallucinating on the body? I mean, it would, cause I, I mean, I've heard stories, but I, I, did you have any crazy wonky? Did you see something that wasn't there? Did you tip over, fall asleep? Like what's? No, but um, you know, like Greg and I trained together for a race last year, and so we'd spent a lot of time biking together, including like bike packing and like night riding and things like that. And at one point, I Kayenta will forever be on my list of I don't I don't know how I feel about that town. It was just try to get there, and uh, it was terrifying. But I mean, it was Greg talking to me on the headset, and I didn't really understand that there was a car behind me. I, I mean, I assumed he was in the car. There were two other people in the car. They're feeding me and doing other things, you know, to keep attending to me. And I just really didn't recall it. I could hardly focus on the road at that point. I mean, literally we were a handful of miles away from town and it was just, can we even get there and keep this safe? It was, it got a little bit worrisome. So even through med school, <laughs> this was the most sleep deprived, taxing thing you would say relative to cramming oh, yeah. for all that. It's cumulative. I mean, and, and the fact that you're exercising through this whole process, it's challenging so certainly you know thinking about a longer event like ram you're gonna have to you can't do what we do on raw i think raw you know it's their sprint race really right you can go with less sleep if you want to stay at the front that's what you're going to do obviously within the confines of being safe which we were we made sure of that but it's definitely kind of pushing the edge of what you can tolerate
So what's it like to, been, to be home now? I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> it's good. I was tired. I slept for like a week, eight days. Every, every chance I could get, just come home and <laughs> fall into the bed. Um, things are better now. Any, you know, I don't know, sore back? I mean, I'm just trying to think of oh. like, was anything? I guess I whined a lot about groin and feet. So those are areas that I still need to tackle. Most of that's healed. My feet are still pretty numb. Shy of that. Okay. Largely back to normal. So one of the things I guess I will ask you is you were um, wonderful enough to support a local company, um, <laughs> local clothing company. How did your gear work out for you? It was great, as you know. I mean, I, like, I've worn your apparel for a lot of years, long before we ever had more of a you know, professional type relationship. But I mean, we were changing kits every six hours, eight hours or so, but everything, was, everything held up very well. It was perpetually doused in water. It was still very breathable. I mean, I just, I, I've put it through the paces. I, I rode Big Sky Spectacular last year in the same shorts for five days <laughs> for 968 miles. So that and is- And that a, went well. That, that is a huge, that is a huge compliment. Like right. we will take that's that. A, that's, that's a testament. A, that's our thousand mile short, right? <laughs> right? I also think we heard a lot of great things about that high visibility. At least Rose was telling us that it was a lot easier to see you. Yeah, um, I would make a huge plug for that too, because safety is a huge priority when I train alone. I'm on pavement, I'm by myself, I take a lot of precautions. I have a flashing headlight, I have two taillights, I have, you know, the Varia that's telling me a car is coming. I don't know, it's, you know, anecdotal, really. I don't have any kind of, you know, evidence-based data to support it, but I think once I started wearing that kit, honestly, I feel like cars actually respect this high visibility um, and give a little wider berth with it. And I mean, it's, it's still attractive and enjoyable to wear, you know, which is the balance for us. You know, I want something that performs, but I also want to be seen because I want to come home to, after my ride. Something we all want to do, <clears throat> but we, we, you know, we could not have been more impressed and more proud to see you in that kit. So we, I mean, it was, it was, it was delightful for us. So I can't even, and we're just so proud of you and it's just been awesome. Uh, you know, as we sort of I feel like right now I want to ask you about what's next because that just feels natural. Even though I know you're just back from this incredible feat, you raced, um, you know, you, you got second overall, you won it um, in the female division. Like, is there something bigger? Is there something else on the horizon? Would you go back and tackle this again and try to improve a time or do mm -hmm. you move on to something more challenging? I like variety. So I don't know that I would, I wouldn't, race back to this one <laughs> not be not for lack of enjoyment of the race I actually thought it was wonderful it was what I wanted um, yes I've entertained Ram and you know other bigger events as well um, I'm taking a break right now to kind of regroup so I don't have any kind of set plan quite yet but how was this um, what did your daughter think She's great. She's like one of my biggest cheerleaders. I mean, she can actually rattle off my race stats better than I can, which is awfully sweet. <laughs> so she's wonderful. And so this has really sort of become a family affair. Yeah. In the sense that way everybody's invested and, and supports you. and Absolutely. That's because they're so wonderful and they tolerate all this. <laughs> it, 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 so. is, it is a fa I mean, right? It is, it is a full family commitment to something this significant, especially it to is. go do that kind of race. Yeah, it is. That's the big issue for me. And that's, that's why I pause, I guess, when I, when you ask what I'm doing in the future is just, you know, I have an 11 year old daughter. That's an important time. I, I have this limited time with her and she matters. So, you know, in order to perform well on these events, I don't want to come to anything like this half baked. You know, it's a financial investment and, and a personal pride issue as well that I want to do the best that I can, but I also want to spend time with my family. So there has to be this balance of, you know, work and my enjoyment and, taking time for my family. 
Well, it's just, a, it's a big balancing act, right? It is, and it got challenging. <laughs> I can only imagine. What, talk about the last, you want last 50 miles? Last, last where stretch did you start freaking and, out? Yeah, where did, think, when did it get super intense toward the end? I think it was about the last 50 miles. I wasn't too, too good about the statistics at that point, but um, yeah, it just got to the point where the top four were kind of within shooting range of each other. Um, and we actually were physically seeing each other. Um, BJ and his crew passed me and then I passed him. And then it became this kind of bantering back and forth where the crews were actually like cheering each other on. One of BJ's um, crew members is actually a, a friend. Um, we know each other from prior events as well. So he was yelling out the side of his van <laughs> and the crew inside was going, why are you why are you cheering so loud for this girl that's actually not your rider? But then, you know, they started understanding like, I mean, we're so far into this race. Everybody's performed well. We're, this is like a battle to the finish. It was a hoop. <laughs> So then you're coming in to the finish. Like, mm. what is that last? So now take me into the last mile when you're when you're about ready to get off of that machine. Yeah, I don't even want to admit that, but but I have before. I actually stopped on the side of the road, probably a handful of miles from the finish, in good fine, unsupported fashion. And I told Greg, I was like, I'm good, because the Garmin kept. I was so tired, and the Garmin kept saying there was one more climb. <laughs> I couldn't see the finish, and I I knew I was like I don't know three five miles away. So I stopped on the side of the road, and they they stopped as well, and they're like, What are you doing? I was like, I'm good. I I I've gotten what I need out of this race. I don't actually need to finish and he, he was just mind blown like what what is coming out of your mouth and I as I was saying I thought what are you saying like this is ridiculous but it was like I don't want to go up another climb so I mean I was I was tired but then you know the crew was kind of stationed at all the integral turns to get up the hill and it was wonderful and then everybody piled in the car and met us at the finish and it was phenomenal so <laughs> what you're saying is that truly just a couple miles from the finish it was sort of like Kind of like the system shut down in a sense, and you had to sort of get... I, I don't know what happened. I clearly was not home. <laughs> I was just really tired, but mentally, I was, you know, I'd gotten what I wanted out of the race, which was a, gr a brilliant race, and, you know, I, I knew that um, BJ had already won, and so I was like, well, second. Well, technically, you're not going to be second if you don't actually go through the arch, so <laughs> should probably finish this thing. <laughs> wow. Uh, but but I mean I, I think that speaks to the to the sh to the sheer exertion of that race, mm -hmm. right? What it does, like what what seems logical at any other moment now after all that you had been through. Mm -hmm. Who would ever say that? That you would be like, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I've just ridden how far? Nine hundred. At that point, I was at like nine twenty-five, nine twenty-seven. Sure. So we <laughs> round know? up. It's nine thirty. It's good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They, I was they tired. Do you, they do take you all the way through town. Yes, they do. And then up the hill to the university, right? And the hill's not that exciting, but however Garmin decides to rate these silly climbs, it's like the whole race was one of 42 climbs and somehow the climb to the finish makes one of the 42 and I was just like, darn it, I don't want to go. <laughs> I love to climb. I just didn't want to do that one anymore for whatever reason. Actually, but I find that very encouraging for the rest of us mere mortals who get to the get to that moment in any ride or whatever we're doing, and you're like, I'm just done. Yeah. So, but yet you powered through. But you finish. Yeah, you, a, a, as you did so beautifully. It was good. So beautifully. Anything else? Yeah. Can uh, you describe the just the heat, like riding through uh. the middle of the day? 120 degrees. Yeah, that was a real challenge. Um, I mean, I when I did Hoodoo a couple years ago, it was hot then, especially coming back into St. George, but this was 
a it was just hot and going into the evening hours you know we were anticipating it was going to get cooler in the overnight periods in the desert and still the temperatures were in the 90s um we finally the first night got down into like 80s and we saw 79 for like a couple of minutes which was amazing <laughs> but it's it's just um i don't know i don't know how to describe it, it you know, it makes you feel so bad. The first day we were kind of learning our cooling strategies and I was so hot and so tired. And that's when, you know, mentally you start thinking, what am I doing out here? I mean, do I have the capacity to continue on in this? Cause this, this is going to come back just like this tomorrow and it's not cooling off at night. So I'm looking at hours and hours and hours of trying to navigate my way through the heat. Um, we just did a lot of, a lot of cooling and required a lot of stopping to, to fully cool down a bit and Keep going. I know I keep asking just this, change but your pace. I'm just so curious what's going on in your head. I know, I, because I think I, I just, is, is it, are you talking to yourself the whole time? Are you, are you listening to people? I mean, I think I'm, I'm trying to figure out how is that time spent so that you're not dwelling too much on the negative. And as you said, like focusing on the, this is a positive thing. I've, I've elected to do this. I've earned my right to be here and I want to do it. I just, I don't, I, is I don't it know. prayer? Is it songs? Mm -hmm. Is it? I mean, on training rides and stuff, maybe I'll have a song going through my head or I, I'm, I'm highly motivated by scenery. I really like, you know, I, I don't like doing laps of stuff. I like grand adventures and destination type rides. So the, you know, the scenery and that the goal for, for me, actually a personal goal was I, I wanted to see Monument Valley and I was like, well, that's 774 miles in. That's a great, <laughs> that's a good goal to get to, you know, like I'll be happier when I get there. <laughs> But, you know, just enjoying the scenery and then it's a little different in supported racing in that you've got all these other people that have sacrificed their time for you. So, yeah, maybe I want to wallow in my misery or whatever's going on and this hurts and that hurts. But I've got eight other people that have donated their time to do this with me. And, you know, it matters to them, too. Like we want to have a successful event together. So I think that helps kind of keep you on track, you know. I mean, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me, but I also respect what they're doing for me. So we want to be successful together. And how did that, how is that <clears throat> dynamic? You know, when a race like that is finished, I can't imagine the sort of bond that gets created. It's, it's, yeah, it's quite a bond <laughs> in a good way. I mean, we had quite a, we had some fun times, especially on some of the overnight crews, you know, cause they're, it's, it's a rough patch from like three to five in the morning. Apparently it's a rough patch. That's when I'm trying to sleep and the crew is trying to prod me along with whatever, which would maybe be unicorns on the side of the road. And then, you know, Deanne was Wonder Woman and Rose was Wonder Woman. And she ran with me up one of the climbs, like literally, cause I'm going that slowly. <laughs> so, you know, it was fun. Did you ever sleep during the day so that you could ride at night? Well, again, another great learning point there is, you know, I want to, I thought going into this, I would try and sleep at night and kind of keep this day night mentality. But realistically, that's probably not the smartest approach. The smarter approach would be to sleep during the day when it's super hot. If you can knock off 30 minutes of not having to deal with that, that's money in the bank. Um, so yeah, that's what I, that's one thing I would do different. But I, we slept because I was too tired. I, we actually had a planned stop. I was hoping to get to Camp Verde, um, and I just, I was too tired. And then, unfortunately, where I was too tired, um, our other car couldn't come onto the course to meet us. So day crew had to just pull over, and it was 115 degrees, and they were all kicked out of the car so I could sleep in the car. And I was super bummed because I had a little mattress in the other car that I could sleep on, and I had been looking so forward to that, <laughs> and I didn't get it. So The minute you hit that mattress, or... <laughs> er 
the back seat or whatever you had at the moment <laughs> yeah. was just out. I mean, uh, pretty close. That was actually comical too because they had my bike outside the vehicle and it still had my heart rate strap on and the Garmin. <laughs> so Greg and Deanne actually watched my heart rate go down like it kind of went up for a little bit and then it was down. They're like, yeah, she's out. <laughs> so, did they have to wake you up? How, oh. Like what? Tell me about sleep. Ah, uh, I'm unconscious. Yeah, it was. I'm not sure where I am when they wake me up. Are you sure I have to get back on the bike? <laughs> Yeah, a little disoriented for a bit. Are you happy they wake you up? Or are you like, would you guys just let me be? Well, I'm not going to grumble because this is, again, my gig. And I asked for this. But I'm not super thrilled to be getting back up again. <laughs> I would sleep longer. I wanted an eight-hour ditch nap. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you admit to, I, and I'm, I'm asking you this. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking your crew this. What, was it ever combative? I mean, was, was it ever like, was, was it ever, you were a little bit too stubborn because it was, you were suffering and you needed this and they were insisting that you do that and it became contentious? No, not ever. I mean, that was the beauty of this crew. We have a lot of different personalities. There are a lot of high level thinkers, but everybody kind of had their niche. Everybody really worked together with the common goal of that. We just want to get across the finish line and do it safely. And so, you know, if there were a little, you know, things going on behind the scene, frankly, I didn't know about it. And I think they did a great job. Uh, tell us about your equipment. Would you ride? Would you like? Would you not like? Uh, I hear a lot of people have issues with hands and feet falling asleep and issues with neck. Did you experience any of that or what were your physical challenges? For me, groin care is an ongoing one. I think I need to kind of revisit seat um, on the bikes that I've chosen and feet. So again, revisiting shoes, shoe size, the bikes themselves, um, they were they were good. I have my Trek road bike, but it's been kind of modified with aero bars and race wheels. It's not actually really meant to be a road aero bike. Um, and then the Diamond Marquee time trial bike, which was really great. That one did very well. Were you comfortable on it the whole time? Yeah, as comfortable as you're going to be on a time trial bike. I actually rode that for uh, over 17 hours for one stretch, um, and it performed flawlessly super fast through the flats in the desert. It was a lot of fun. And are you making that call or is a coach making that call as to what bike, where? Um, Greg actually helps with the course and um, planning what areas of the course would be amenable to that. I mean, it's just, you know, anybody that knows about raw, they know you're, you know, the desert through that whole section is flat. So if you have the availability to have a bike that's gonna go fast, that's the one you wanna choose. There are, are some other areas on the course. So we did actually use the time trial bike a second time outside of Flagstaff. Um, plus minus on that in the future. Okay. I still thought it was beneficial. So best spot on the route for you, best place where you felt the best or it was the, the most, the moment, the place that you loved the most and then give me the mm -hmm. worst place. No disrespect to any chamber of commerce in any place. Right? No, yeah, there's nothing against any of the actual geographic locations in and of themselves. It's my performance along the route. Um, I mean, I'm from Montana and I love mountains and I would say heading into Flagstaff, like the pine trees and everything were very much reminiscent of Montana forest land. Um, also Jerome is just such a fun little town and it was a little bigger than what I had recalled. It's been a long time since I've been there, but it's this really fun ascent up Mingus Mountain and then you make this kind of switchbacky descent back down the other side and this town is like kind of built into the hillside. It's really, that was really cool. It was unfortunate it was at night. I mean, it was neat to see at night, but it's a place I'd go back to. 
Um, How about the toughest spot? Toughest, toughest spot. spot was definitely Kayenta. Trying to get there, I was just so darn tired. And then we really had some struggles the second night. I was supposed to have gotten to Monument Valley many hours sooner than I ever did. So it was like just about morning at Mexican Hat. I was a lot of prodding with the crew to get me to keep moving in the forward direction. And then they were trying to like make a joke of me perched under the Mexican hat rock structure and <laughs> I was not having it, <laughs> trying. <laughs> like, I hate that rock. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was, are you, are you, yeah. a, do you curse? Are you a swearer? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, I do. I, you're I'm in good terrible. company. But no, I didn't know like a, a lot, like, I would have to ask because I don't know that of you, yeah. but I'm just wondering, like, as this is going on, are there just, is it, you know, there are some expletives here and there, just as you're... It's unfortunately maybe just part of my general conversation. <laughs> it might get more colorful depending on the circumstances, but not ever targeted at anybody, just in general. Right. Fair. <laughs> Effective words. Yes, because they, sometimes there's no better word than one or two two of the few that are out there. Yes. They describe the moment perfectly. Correct. Good, so we know you're human, thank yeah. goodness. <laughs> what did you, what on earth did you possibly eat? Uh, well, so when it was hot and the desert was challenging, um, I did a fair amount of liquid nutrition, so CarboPro, I've been kind of sitting on a stash of that because it's hard to come by right now. Maltodextrin would be the other equivalent. Um, and then it was whatever else I could tolerate. So they did peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I was a big fan of like little cups of fruit so like cut up strawberries and grapes and I think I heard frozen grapes. did I hear frozen grapes uh, I thought... well I think they probably did put them in the cooler so they were chilled okay they were crunchy wine is what Rose was calling them because <laughs> I'd be a little Dixie cup of fruit and sit there and eat the fruit and then hand it back through the window so could you not tolerate anything mm. or did your stomach ever, were you like would you ever like take pizza down? right like it, it, clearly you don't do like a big meal it's it's clearly this yeah, you want to keep cons, you know, a rather consistent intake, so it wasn't ever like huge boluses of food. I know at some point, I think around Brigo Springs or maybe in that first evening, I got a bit overfed through the day and I got kind of sick for a while. It wasn't bad, um, so just kind of dial it back a little bit, drink, let things quiet down. Yeah. Could you describe for us what it was like to be called to the start line, standing there, and then to actually roll out? Uh, it was nerve-wracking. I mean, that's that's months of hard work and a long, long race ahead of you. I mean, you're excited, a little nervous. This was a little unusual this year with COVID, you know, precautions in place that normally your car comes behind you when you go through the start. And so it was a little bit more watered down than it than it normally is. Uh, but they actually still had a great showing of, you know, people cheering for you. So, I don't know, there's a lot of excitement. And then, you know, the race, they make this big deal about you have to turn turn the corner and go up the hill and you see everybody's photograph coming up this hill. So thankfully I'd gone there a couple times before the race and actually rode up the hill. So you know what gear to be in and it's really actually not that bad of a hill, but it's gonna look really bad if you're like, you know, a quarter of a mile down the, ro <laughs> the road and you have to stop because you're in the wrong gear, so. Got it, got it. Um, as you know, I'm thinking of this start and as you're doing it, any moments on the ride, um, where you cried? Mm. No, I, I mean, I actually, I did get a bit emotional overnight. I think Greg was trying to yell at me to get, to get me to Cayenta at one point and, and he wasn't yelling, but it was just like, you know, keep pedaling. All I could hear was keep pedaling. And literally this is the time when I was starting to just like, why is he? 
isn't it night crew yet? Like, is he going to go away? Because <laughs> he keeps saying the same thing. I, like, I did, I get a little teary eyed of just like, what am I doing out here? Like, this is, this is rough right now. But again, those moments are temporary. You just have to understand you, you know, what's the bigger, what's the bigger goal, which is to finish. So if you're having a hard time, shift your focus, get to whatever, so you can sleep a little bit and kind of start over mentally. And as you're doing that, so I'm assuming as you're doing that, as you're refocusing, those are the moments where you sort of then can give yourself a break from the suffering, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to, I don't know, you have to be kind to yourself. It's going to hurt. <laughs> At some point, things are going to be less than comfortable and you just have to be understanding of it, mitigate the damage and, you know, work through it, be positive. Things change. You feel really bad. You're way behind in the race field. Everybody else drops out because the desert is killing them. And then you're at the front of the race. You know, like you just don't want to lose sight of the goal of how long these events really are. And you saw how the, <laughs> the end of the race shook out that, you know, Lee, who had been pretty much commanding the race in its entirety, ended up having neck issues. And then the whole field spun over in <laughs> a whole different order at the bitter end. So I guess that's a good that point. That can happen at any time. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you think it's going to go one way, but then if yeah. you're struggling, mm -hmm. you have to understand or at least expect that someone else is having their own struggle. It may not be what yours is. Uh -huh. So again, at some point, we're going to, sh things may shake out very differently than they are exactly. in this exact moment. Yeah, I guess, right. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's not done until you cross the finish line, so... Yes, which is why they wanted you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, anything else you're thinking of with footage that you have or that you've seen that you want to... You were training for uh, triple bypass, mm -hmm. ended up doing gravel roads. Talk to me a little bit about that road, because it's a very... Like, I've done El Monzo, I've done Leadville, I've done uh -huh. a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Long things. I've tried Trans-Iowa three mm -hmm. times, but I've never thought... I'd like to do the race across the West. Yeah. You've done that in a very short period of time. Uh-huh. How did you get to that? How did you, tell me about that road. I don't, and what kind of uh, and so you're psychedelic talking, drugs that you're taking. <laughs> so we're not talking literal road. We're yeah. literally talking like your personal the euphemistic road, road, your personal road. I, well, it's, a, it's really about just always pushing the envelope, I suppose, you know. I don't know, I've, I fell into cycling and I loved it so much and it was, you know, I started out on the road so then it was like hoodoo was actually a kind of a celebration of i had spent that entire winter training for the triple bypass riding the ruby course of the saint george seven yeah half half iron man so i knew that course and i was like that would be so cool to compete there <laughs> and then found out about the hoodoo 500 and then that was my first crude experience and then i was like well let's the same year let's try you know iowa wind and rock this unsupported gravel event so those were like two opposite ends of the spectrum and then same, you know, Raw was supposed to happen last year, but then with COVID it got canceled, which was a blessing really, because I was actually really terrified about my capacity to handle that kind of distance. And then Big Sky Spectacular came along, which is my home state, you know, so what better way to sit there and, and tour my favorite place to be than on a bicycle in a race. So I, I, mentally it was a natural progression, I guess, in mileage. And then for me, personal interest of what the scenery and what the course is actually going to offer me from a challenge standpoint, you know, desert, elevation, hoodoo has a lot of climb. And I heard you say you like the hills. Like I you love like, them. You like <laughs> I do. I don't know why. I mean, I was thinking about it today. I, I actually never was athletic when I lived in Montana. I just, I love mountains. And so, yeah, I, I learned how to climb hills in Iowa and people think Iowa's flat. And as we all know, 
Right. It's very much not flat. They're hard, punchy little hills, and there's a hundred of them in a row. <laughs> they kind of beat you up. So, I don't know. They're fun. Do you see a... You say you weren't athletic in Montana, didn't grow up running track and cross country mm, and all that. Not a ton. Um, do you see a correlation between this road and your road to becoming a doctor? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I suppose it's probably something in my personality that, you know, trying to excel at whatever I decide to set my mind to and cycling, I was like, well, I want to ride a bike. Okay, now I'm doing okay. And now I've met these people and I'm actually riding as fast as they are. Can I get faster than them? Can I go longer? Can I go even a little longer? Can I, I don't know, it's just keep pushing the envelope out a little further, a little farther. Like, what is the threshold where you say, I just can't do this anymore? So, I don't know, I haven't quite found it yet. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. Do you have for. any idea where it might be? No. And I, I, I think I've heard this from other people, a lot of, you know, ultra crazy, just, it's a personality quirk, maybe. I don't know whether it's good or bad, but it's like, how far do you push yourself to finally break and you say, I just can't do this? I don't know. And it's not a bad thing. It's just exploring that aspect of self. I haven't found it yet. <laughs> I'm still enjoying what I'm doing, so. What was the most challenging aspect of putting this whole thing together from, hey, I'm gonna do this, to <laughs> sitting here tonight? Ah, uh, just all the moving parts. I mean, once it actually was in motion and we were racing, it was, it seemed not quite so daunting, but it's, you know, trying to put flights together and cars together and people coming from different parts of the country together and lodging and, you know, all the rules to make sure that you, I mean, they are very particular about rules. You, if you mess up, that's an hour penalty. We don't want penalties, you know, so it's making sure everybody's on the same page. We all understand the rules, just all the moving parts. And then, you know, that, that's one conglomerate. That in itself could be almost a full-time job, which is, again, if my husband Dave and Greg hadn't been there putting all these pieces together, I'd just be up a creek without a paddle because I'm still working full-time and then somehow supposed to be training. And, you know, again, it comes back to how much do you want to train? Well, I want to, I don't want to train to just show up and kind of finish. Like, I came to race and do the best I possibly could and hopefully be competitive with the field. So, you know, I'm going to train with everything I've got and come to the come to the race and give it my best. That's gonna take hours to do that appropriately too. So it became very hectic. We've, um, one of the things I find so interesting is how well it seems that women can do in these ultra sports. Like mm -hmm. it, it seems like it is, it has become a far more even field when you're dealing with these ultra distances. Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to be one of those women that is actually fairly competing against men in this case. Oh, it's fun. That's that's part of my passion is to just try and inspire, I mean, men and women alike, you know, to, to look and say, okay, this person was a normal whatever person and they've trained to a level of executing these big events. I, it's just a testament that if you put in the time and the effort, you really can do a lot. Um, you shouldn't, you know, I think you shouldn't, you want to make sure that you uh, shoot for the goals. I guess I'm we can cut that part out because I'm, I'm getting tongue-tied, but you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to say, you know, people try to underscore what their capacity is to perform and they shouldn't. And so out there, especially in a race like this, it seems as if, I'm going to be careful how I say this, sex is a factor, but it's not necessarily this huge dividing factor. Because when we're talking about these, these extreme distances, it seems to sort of level the playing field for all. It's just 
the strongest and the fastest compete. It does to a certain extent. I, you know, certainly the race dynamic this year was a little bit different, but I mean, we all know Ram, Ram was won by a female this year and that's, that's a new record. Um, but also we have to acknowledge that, you know, some of the other racers that would have been there weren't able to with travel bans and things like that. So, I mean, there are some sex differences as far as racing is concerned, but certainly I think ultra in general women have a great capacity to be extremely competitive and I mean, we do in really all aspects of cycling, understanding, you know, the trade-offs, but ultra in particular, women can do really, really well. We have some advantages being a little smaller and having less fueling requirements. Um, use it for all you can. <laughs> I say take that advantage where you get it. I'm going to run with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, what's the funniest moment? Oh, gosh. I know. <laughs> so the best was... Uh, the last overnight in Monument Valley after I was being a big baby <laughs> under the Mexican hat. <laughs> you know, morning was coming along and then finally I was like, you know, I really need a bathroom stop. <laughs> it's like really or very early in the morning we had like a little potty chair. Like we'd managed to have this sheet and be discreet. And I was like, we need the potty chair. <laughs> and you know, I'm in Monument Valley. Like I want a view <laughs> with the potty chair. So I have to, I'll have to put the photo in the race report, but literally I had them set the potty chair up in Monument Valley on one side, Monument Valley on the other side. You can see the highway on both sides. I'm like, hide on my little sheet. Like I'm meeting <laughs> criteria. They'll be like, what's that strange woman doing sitting under a sheet in the middle of Monument Valley? But it was, I don't know, I, four in the morning, five in the morning, barely light. Nobody else is out there. It was comical. And then when I turned around, my entire crew was unicorns. They'd all put on unicorn apparel. <laughs> so you'd think maybe I lost my mind. <laughs> I would say that you did. <laughs> I think so. I, think, I would say she did when she lined up the bike <laughs> in Oceanside. Yeah. Hey, I think hey, this is a good idea. <laughs> I think I want to do that race. All right. That's, That's it. You lost your mind. I think so. Sleep yeah. deprivation. Is this real? <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for indulging us. Thank you oh, for talking yeah. to you. us. Thanks for tuning in to Bike Talk with Dave. I hope you enjoyed our show today. Heather is an amazing person and an inspiration to all of us. I'd like to thank Lisa for her time and talent with this interview, and I would love to do more work with her in the future. I hope you keep coming back. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you would like to support the show, that would be awesome at buymeacoffee.com. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please DM me on Instagram at dmabel122. Well, I hope you have a great week and keep the rubber side down.